This episode is brought to you by The One Summit, two days that would change your life forever. For tickets, go to TheOneSummit.com. TheWellnessCouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. Welcome to 100 Not Out, featuring your hosts, Dr. Damien Christoph and Marcus Pierce. Welcome to another edition of 100 Not Out, a weekly show dedicated to helping you master the art of aging well. My name is Marcus Pierce, and I am here with the peerless powerhouse of passion himself. He's the co-founder of The Wellness Couch and The Wellness Guy, special guest speaker at the upcoming Wellness Summit, Dr. Damien Christoph. Oh, Marcus Pierce, the MC with the mostest, MP, MC, awesomeness. How are you, brother? And I am sensational. How are you? Great. Oh. Powerhouse of passion. Great. Can I tell you, I'm much better than what I was the other day. Oof. You weren't in a good way, Damo. I thought this would be a great uh, topic to discuss. You were in a world of pain. Pain. Pain is a bit of a signal, isn't it? Like it tells you stuff. And um, it's a good thing to talk about pain because people have perspectives on pain. And uh, and for many people, pain can be doom and gloom. Pain can get people down. Pain can drive people to the edge. You just got to look at um, at the um, oh, what's his name, the guy who wrote the the musical. Um, <laughs> You've lost me, <laughs> <laughs> Andrew Lloyd Webber. Andrew Lloyd Webber just the other day said that he was driven to the point of committing suicide because he was in so much pain. And lo and behold, he took a chiropractor to help him out. And so in London, Andrew Lloyd Webber is about to take his life. Friends suggest he goes see a chiropractor. He sees the chiropractor. Bang, he's out of pain. So what is pain? We thought we'd talk about it today. And we thought we'd uh, give some perspective on it because I've been in a world of pain um, over the last uh, couple of weeks. Tell us more, Damon. What happened? What well, MP... Um, what was the pain? Where was the pain? The pain was in my back. My back went into lots of spasms, and um, and it didn't follow a course um, that was, you know, traditionally easy to diagnose. So, like, there's certain types of things that you get that might say that it's a disc injury, certain types of things that tell you that it's a facet strain, certain types of things that tell you that it's a muscle sprain or strain or whatever, but I didn't really have any kind of clear picture. So all of us were all up in the air going, wow, what the heck's going on? But I was in a world of pain to the extent that uh, I wasn't sleeping very well, I was... You know, fall into the ground quite a lot um, in agony. Not because I had weakness in my legs, but just in agony, um, and uh, and required a lot of assistance. So it was it was quite a quite an opening experience. Um, I then went had an MRI. Your day on a, what well, was that? Had an MRI. I did. I had an MRI. Oh, did you? Yeah, right. Yeah, I had to have an MRI and because it wasn't getting any better. It was getting worse, and uh, and any pain that gets worse should uh, ring alarm bells. So an acute pain episode shouldn't necessarily cause any alarm bells. Like, you go, okay, you've got a bit of acute pain. And so really for probably the first week or so, I thought, oh, it's just acute pain. I've hurt my back. There's something going on. I'm sure I'll be fine. Got adjusted, felt better after the adjustments, you know, went about doing all my things again. The pain would come back. And then eventually it crescendoed, and it was um, it was massive. It was massive. And, uh, and I'd have a spasm in my spine probably once every five to ten minutes 
oh that would God. be so incredibly painful. It was like someone stabbing me in the spine, not actually in the back, just stabbing me in the spine, and, which is interesting because it's a metaphor for, you know, sometimes what's actually going on in life, you know. So I was having pain in my back, um, yeah. and, and at the same time, I was being stabbed in my back by some, you know, people oh, yes. and uh, colleagues. Right. I see where you're going. I see where you're going with this metaphor. Like yes. what and was so, happening in your life was, yep. was happening to your body. Physically. And it was almost like there was a uh, some kind of a, you know, a voodoo doll that was on me and someone sticking needles into this thing. And that's kind of what it felt like. But, you know, as it turns out, I found out that there were some people that weren't talking nicely about me at the same time. And I wondered whether or not it might have been an emotional thing that I was experiencing. So anyway, it didn't get any better. It could have been emotion that might have triggered it. I, I then went down to get an MRI, saw uh, the only MRI, a standing MRI lab in Australia here in Victoria, uh, went down there, saw David Proctor, great guy, um, and got my MRIs done. And um, and lo and behold, there's a disc bulge in my back in L3, L4, um, that was pushing on a nerve. And uh, it wasn't a big one, but it was just big enough that it was pushing on a nerve. And so we go, oh, okay, that's interesting. Most people have a disc bulge in their back. And most people, it's asymptomatic. It doesn't cause any pain or any signal that there's something actually wrong. Um, in my case, I actually had um, a symptom that was telling me that there was something wrong. Now, there's no damage to the spine. It's just that I had a disc bulge, and the bulge is there, and it's pushing on a nerve just on the spot where the pain fibers run. Now, we need to keep in mind that of the fibers in the in the nervous system, of those fibers in the nervous system that generate or represent pain, it's only 10% of the total nervous system that represents pain. So it just happened to be that I was getting pain from this bulge pushing on the nerves that were signaling pain as opposed to nerves that were signaling something else, like a function or something else in my body. And uh, and so I had back spasm as a result of that. And, uh, and so I'll you're tell you, saying that, um, can I just hold you on that for a moment? Yes. So when you saying that the spine was pushing against the nerve and only or the nerve fibers and only 10% of those fibers are like perceived pain so for most people that have a disc bulge yep. let's say the spine is pushing on nerve fibers that aren't their role is not to perceive pain yeah that's so right your spine was pushing on the small minority yep. that was a pain perceiving nerve yeah, that's right. Fiber. That's that's exactly right. And uh, so you got the needle in the haystack. Tell you what, that's exactly how it felt too. <laughs> felt like I'd laid on the needle in the <laughs> You're haystack. Part of the pun. <laughs> wow, far out. It was full on. And uh, so I had acupuncture, I had physiotherapy, I had chiropractic, I had the whole lot. And um, and and really, at the end of the day, it was a message, a signal to tell me to. And it's interesting that I've received a number of messages from even my own practice members saying. Damo, this is a message that you've got to slow down. Or Damo, this is a message that you you know you're doing too much. Um, and it's interesting because I don't feel like I'm doing too much. And since doing Trevor Hendy's boot camp for the soul, which I had been enjoying until I got this back pain because I just couldn't get out of bed in the morning. So I've still been reading his stuff, but I haven't been actually participating. So I'm looking forward to participating in that again. But I've been slowing down, and so it was weird to me to. Uh, you know, to be told that I'm still doing too much, even though I feel like I'm slowing down and actually getting a, a lot more hours in my day because I'm not doing as many things. Well, Damo, let me say, I might be one of the minority here, but I subscribe to the Bob Proctor theory of speed, and his one-liner, which always rings true for me, is we don't necessarily have to slow down. Our job really is more that we have to calm down. Mm. 
So his philosophy, and again, it's something that I subscribe to, is we don't have to stop doing big hours. If we're doing what we love and loving what we do and we're running at a breakneck speed, doesn't mean we might be going too fast compared to what other people are, what other people are doing or what their comfort cruise speed is. Yep. But it's more the stress. Like cause some people can be going a million miles an hour and it's not stressing them out. Yes. But for other people, they get stressed just watching that person in action. Yeah, that's you true. Know, I think we've discussed this on this podcast before. You do big hours. You were telling Trevor Handy the other day that yep. on one of the, our recent episodes that you clock 80-hour weeks yeah, some week. I do. But I'm sure there's weeks where you love that 80-hour week and mm. it's not like it doesn't feel like work. And then, like you say, if you've got some more stressful events, oh, yeah, I see things going, with going on yep. behind your back, For sure. so to speak, yep. where you feel harder, it feels harder to calm down, Yeah. then that 80-hour week is going to be the one where people go, you need to slow down. Yeah, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. So, so It's not like you, 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 like particularly you, it's not like you should be going back to a... 40 hour a week just because no, everyone else gosh. well look you know to be honest with you sometimes I think that would be quite nice but my wife doesn't work a 40 hour week and Jackson you know with his school and all of his commitments is in a 40 hour week so I kind of go well if I did do a 40 hour week what would I do you know yep. the people I want to hang out with would also be doing stuff so um, yeah it's interesting yeah nice for a holiday but not for a lifestyle yeah at the moment anyway at the moment yeah so just on the on the broader picture, I mean, you and I are both, particularly uh, most wellness-focused chiropractors would be spreading this message of the difference between feeling and function, yes. you know, what is the real purpose of pain, mm-hmm. and you, you really hinted at it before when you said that 10% of, 10% of the nerve fibers are pain-perceiving, but what does that mean the other 90% are uh, doing? Well, that's right. Uh, and I mean, that's... Real- that's that's yeah, the on. number one question, isn't it, mate? So the other ninety percent are supplying um, nerve information to cells and muscles and, and and other areas within the body. That well, cells obviously uh, uh, every area of the body. Um, information from the brain and supplying information back to the brain. So that ninety percent is very very important for function, um, and for stability, and for growth and repair. And without that, then uh, there's significant problems. Now, it's interesting to note, too, that the weight of a 10-cent piece on a nerve uh, will decrease the function of a nerve by 60%. So you go far out. Like, if I've got a disc bulging on my nerve and it's actually affecting um, a portion of my nerves that's representing pain, it's decreasing my function, and that's not ideal. Yeah. Yeah, and that's... and that's, Is that what... I mean, again, you would have felt... You would have felt like you were functioning at less capacity oh, whilst you were in a world of hurt as well. I mean, that's kind of the other thing, isn't it? It's not, it's not just the pain. It's the consequence of that pain, like the Andrew Lloyd Webber example. Yeah. It's a consequence of that pain that transcends other areas of your life, whether it's your work life or your family life or your social life and other things. Yeah, that's right. That's exactly right. That's so true. And it does. So, it actually affects everything because I actually felt a bit numb in the end. So, and when people experience pain, they do feel a bit numb. They feel numb to the world and there's a, they're not taking in everything else around them because they become such a big focus on themselves to try and get right because uh, pain is, is quite an all-encompassing sort of sensation. So then I thought, Damo, it would be good to have a discussion just around the whole paradigm of pain mm-hmm. because most people in my experience, you would say, well, what – you know, how do you know when you're healthy? And most people would say, well, I know I'm healthy when I feel good. And when do you think you're not healthy? Well, I'm not healthy when I feel bad. Yeah. Like when I'm in pain. But just because, you know, and you being a good example, just because you're in pain doesn't mean you're not a healthy human being. 
And most people, if they knew about the what percentage of say nerves were devoted to pain perceive, you know, what to uh, yeah, perceiving pain, most people would think, well, hold on, ten percent. I mean, ten percent is a very small number, but most people don't generally think of the ninety percent of the body that's actually allowing them, or the nervous system that's allowing their heart to beat and their eyes to blink and their brain to function and their hair to grow and their, um, you know, all their bodily functions to occur. That we don't have to think about. We don't have to. Uh, we don't have to schedule in our diary, and we don't have to actually make it happen. It just happens subconsciously. But then most people, and, and I'm, I'm convinced that this is by the way we've been educated through the mass media and um, you know, also by the pharmaceutical system, is that we've been taught that pain is bad and if we're in pain that we're not healthy. So if we're in pain, the first thing we should be doing is working on getting rid of the pain rather than recognizing, well, why is the pain there in the first place? Well, that's a great point, MP. The, the question that you asked at the very, very beginning was, what is health? And you know, how do we define health? Well, um, if you look at the Oxford Dictionary, for example, the Oxford Dictionary, or most dictionaries will say that uh, health is the absence of symptoms, right? And um, or the absence of disease or symptoms. But the World Health Organization um, defined what health is. And, uh, and you would know this as, t- as well, MP, because we often yep. speak about it. The World Health Organization says that health is a state of optimal mental, physical, spiritual, and emotional function, not merely the absence of disease or symptoms. And that, for me, sums up exactly you know what was going on. So I had some symptoms. Now, for me, that indicates that I haven't been as well or as healthy as what I could be. And that could be argued that I spend too much time doing other things or not enough time doing other things that I could be doing that might improve my health and well-being. Um, And so I now have to be reflective and work out, okay, well, if I'm getting pain, what else could I be doing or should I be doing to make sure that my body's doing better? Now, it's not because I had a deficiency in paracetamol or codeine or ibuprofen. Um, It's not the deficiency of that that caused my pain. It was the absence of some kind of function or some kind of structure um, or appropriate structure that caused that dysfunction or that pain, which doesn't necessarily mean that I'm unhealthy, but possibly I could be healthier, um, you know, to, to prevent that sort of symptom. Uh, and so, so the, the question then is, what actually is pain? And for me, pain is an indicator or pain is a symptom of uh, or a message from the brain telling me that something's not right and I need to get something corrected. Yeah, it's um, a very intelligent, like it's a, in many ways it's a godsend, like it's a very intelligent signal to the body, as you said, to say that something's not right. Yeah. So then my question is, Damon, on the broader spectrum, why do you think, because most and again, I'm talking most. So let's say not the people listening to this podcast and listening to the Wellness Couch. Yep. But most people that are in pain would just see the pain um, and then look for something to quell the pain or remove the pain and yep. then push on and move on. Yeah. And the missing, the, the massive missing link, again, for me, like a journalist trained, thirsty for knowledge, want to know, the, the question that most people forget to ask is why? Why? Like why was it there? And this is from a cold to cancer, you know, talking like from, you know, bronchitis to arthritis to asthma to, you know, allergies, anything. It's just the question of why, which most people forget to really ask. That's right. The question is why. Ask yourself the question why. So I think people forget to ask because we've lost the ability to take responsibility of our own health. Um, And... And really what it comes down to is that we think that someone else is going to make us better if something goes wrong. 
And this is perpetuated by a lot of what we see on television. A lot of, you know, fortunately in Australia, we don't have direct-to-consumer drug advertising. But in New Zealand, in the United States, and in Canada, they have direct-to-consumer drug advertising, um, which allows pharmaceutical companies to advertise to uh, people, the viewer, um, a symptom or a group of symptoms, call it a disease, and say, this medication will help you. Now, we don't have that in Australia, except for the case of Nurofen or Baby Panadol or, yeah. you know, all those sorts of things where they say, you know, I'm a mum, I'm busy, um, I love my children, and I choose to use Nurofen, right? So there's that kind of leading sort of emotive um, conversation that makes people believe that if your child's in pain, then all you've got to do is give them Nurofen. And you're, uh, bad, and you're a bad parent. You're, you're a bad parent if you don't. Um, and, and that's essentially what those those commercials have people feel, um, you know, when they, when they watch them or when they make decisions. Now, interestingly, um, there's no conversation there about, you know, you should really find out what is the cause of the pain or you should really do something um, to improve your overall health and well-being before you go and take these drugs. Um, but I think that in our understanding and fortunately through my training and through the conversations that we have here on 100 Not Out and the Wellness Guys and on the Wellness Couch, we try to educate people about making an informed choice about why they might use a pain-relieving substance or an anti-inflammatory type substance, whether it be herbal or pharmaceutical, whatever it is. But first ask the questions, why have I got this in the first place? Because, yep, okay, it's all good and well to decrease the pain and decrease the inflammation. Yes, that might actually allow you to move on and move to the next step and get another couple of weeks down the track and you could be all fine with no more relapses or you may relapse. But if you don't actually address the cause of it, then it's likely to be reminding you again that you haven't actually sorted out the cause of this particular problem. And, uh, and yes, whilst there might be some degeneration in your spine or there might be some kind of a bulge or might be arthritis or whatever else is going, you might think that you can't actually do anything about it. The reality is that you can. You can do lots about everything in the body because the body's primary response and primary function is to continue to live, it wants to support you and wants to repair. And up until the day that you die, it will continue to repair the cuts and the wounds that you actually get uh, because it wants to keep you alive. Damo. Do you think that, I mean, the challenge I have here is people listening going, oh, this all makes sense, but, you know, who do I see that kind of subscribes to this? I know people that have been diagnosed with cancer and asked the why question of their medical team, and the answer has been it's just bad luck, mate. Bad luck. You know, it's just bad luck. You can't do anything about it. Genetics. So they've actually asked the why question because they've been curious enough to, to ask why. Yeah. And this is for a bigger thing. We're not talking about a headache here. We're talking about a big, a big, you know, one of the big ones. Yeah. And in many establishments, that's the answer, bad luck. Bad luck. So the other part of shifting this paradigm around pain is actually not just shifting your, your, your beliefs around it, but finding people around you, health professionals particularly, so that when you do need the support of health professionals, that you have people around you that also understand the, the, the role of pain and can actually help you through working through the whys of it. Because often the whys, like with yours, Damo, like they're quite, it's not a small thing. Like you had a lot going on in your life at the time. So it's not like, for sometimes like a headache, it can be, well, I just haven't been drinking enough water. You know, I've been having too much coffee, not enough hydration. It could be that there's not enough nerve flow getting through to the rest of the body and a good adjustment is going to be the way to go. But often it's um, we're not hydrated. So sometimes the why doesn't have to be this massive epiphany. But sometimes when some serious stuff is going on, you do need to, to reflect, do need to do a fair bit of introspection and actually work out maybe factors in your life that need to change or shift or stop or start 
in order to prevent it happening again in the future. That's true. That's true. It is good to to sit back and reflect. The whole why question, yeah, and I'll just I'll go back at about 30 seconds, MP, and you said who are the people that people should be surrounding themselves or how do they get to have these conversations with people? And the struggle is, is that because disease care is free in Australia, um, because it's free to go and visit a doctor or maybe you've got to give a GP co-payment of six bucks or whatever it is, um, it, you know, essentially it's the cost of a coffee to go see your GP. Um people feel that that's the only person that can advise them as to their health and well-being. Now, the other thing is, too, that has now set up a hierarchical view that if the doctor only costs $5, then why would I go and spend money to go and see another type of practitioner who's going to tell me a different story or a different Mm. thing? So there's that conversation, too. And some people don't yet necessarily value or place value on accepting services from a chiropractor or a naturopath who might actually share um, a health model that you and I are now talking about MP and so how do people then surround themselves with people that can actually help them and guide them and one of the easiest ways the most cost effective way is to listen to 100 not out like isn't it MP Um, or listen to to the wellness guys or listen to uh, Life by Design or listen to Inside the Champion's Mind like listen to some of these podcasts because you get access to experts in their field that can actually help you stay on track and ask the right questions now if you can't afford to go and see a practitioner then this information is free and you can you can get access to some incredible information all the time so there's no excuse for not knowing about it it's just that you may you know, people listening to this may not be telling their friends, "Hey, you should be listening to this," because it's uh, you know, that could be the information is there, but people just need to know about it. Yeah, and that's it, Damo. Like the philosophical shift of pain is far more important in most aspects, in in most occasions, yeah. um, unless it's life threatening, than the physical shift of pain. Because if you've got the philosophical shift where you actually realise that pain isn't there in order just to be removed straight away and that you actually work through it. If you have that philosophical shift and if you make that shift whilst listening to podcasts rather than having to go through it the hard way, then you are like prepared in advance for what may come in, uh, in, in the future. So it's much better to prepare. The girls on, on up for a chat were talking about this recently. It's much better to prepare for a crisis before the crises occur. So whether ah, it's so a true. fire or whether it's a finance or whether it's death or anything. It's much better to much better to have this philosophy around pain, and and the role that it plays within the body before it comes. Yeah. Because everyone knows that when you're in pain, the first thing you want to do is get out of it. Yes. It's just and that's innate. You know, you can't stop that desire to get out of pain, but it's what do you do? Uh, what do you actually do in order to do that? Yep. Damo, we could go on and on. I feel like I really want to go on and on, but uh, we're out of time on, on this podcast. <laughs> it's been a, another doozy as always. We'd love to hear your feedback, folks. The Wellness Summit is coming up, though. I would love, if you're not on board, this event will be a sellout. We'd love for you to join us at the summit. Uh, visit uh, more information and tickets available at thewellnesssummit.com. But on this episode, you can provide your feedback in any number of ways. Go to the website, thewellnesscouch.com, forward slash 100 not out. Also go to facebook.com forward slash 100 not out that is all letters if you've liked this episode feel free to uh, subscribe to the podcast on itunes give us a five star rating if you believe we're five star and damo would definitely say we're five star aren't we damo 
Yes, we are. And, <laughs> I didn't think I was coming back in there. <laughs> no, sorry, mate. I put you on the spot. And remember, you can view the entire range of wellness podcasts available at thewellnesscouch.com, including the number one show, The Wellness Guys. So until next week, continue to make the rest of your life the best of your life. Hi, Dr. Brett Hill here from The Wellness Guys and That Paleo Show. Crown Melbourne will be pumping on August the 16th and 17th when this year's Wellness Summit arrives. Last year's event was a hit with attendees with Kelly L saying she was thoroughly inspired and Jen F saying she learned so much amazing information I think my brain is close to exploding. Deborah labelled it inspiring and empowering and Stephen felt very enlightened and enthused. If this sounds like you, then join myself and the other Wellness Guys, the Up For A Chat girls, Joe Witten from Thermomix and more than 600 people from across the globe as they descend on Crown Melbourne for this year's Wellness Summit. Tickets are just $2.97 and are available at www.thewellnesssummit.com. Can't wait to see you there. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.